Hello and welcome to another episode of the Create Magic Podcast. This is an installment of the Creative Weirdo segment where I get to talk to artists, weirdos, and friends old and new about all kinds of different things. Today I am so excited to talk to Natalie Kovacs. Natalie is an amazing artist. She draws tons of cryptids and weirdo stuff in the best way. She loves to highlight the underdogs and we talk about that and a bunch of other just really fun stuff that revolves around making art and being into curiosity and the strangeness so go check out all of natalie's work over on instagram at shapeless flame and all the links below and yeah enjoy this conversation i think it's a really nice addition to this recent series of artists that i've had on and man i just love talking to fellow weirdo creatives and and this is just a great example of why i have so much fun with it so i hope you enjoy it again go check out natalie's work link below and have a wonderful weekend i'll be back tomorrow with the normal daily art podcast and until then take care ideas that shape the world around us and that you believe in magic more than anything and I'd love to pick up there if you don't mind to hop back in I believe in magic more than anything because I think it's the one true thing that like it's hard to be skeptical about because we don't understand so much of the universe we don't understand so much of just just the world uh nature <laughs> so many things um and we as people and as animals, we have this this ability to tap into the uh, like collective unconscious, and we are all connected and interconnected through energy because mm -hmm. that's just literal physics. So I think magic is real because energy recycles. Yep. And our minds are so powerful that we can pretty much convince ourselves of anything and convince others. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I think it's real. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And I love starting off here because it fits so well with a bunch of conversations I've been having on the podcast recently that have revolved around the ideas of uh, Grant Morrison or Alan Moore and these ideas that the 2D, the artist is the last magician in the world because yes. the 2D realities shape our 3D realities. Have you ever read Super Gods by Grant Morrison by chance? I haven't. I haven't. It's so, oh, it's, it's one of those things that like, I, you don't ever have to read it. You can listen to some uh, uh, YouTube interviews with him. They'll give you all the big chunks, but if you want <laughs> to, it's beautiful and it's, it's good. But he has this idea in there that I'll, I've talked about a lot on the podcast where the, um, superheroes used to be real corporeal beings like that lived Ooh. in the same world as us and they were saving the world every day they were stopping bank robberies and they kind of think about you know the golden age comics they were stopping alien invasions very materialist things but they realized at one point throughout history that to really affect change 
and to do things in a bigger picture besides the day-to-day, they have to insert themselves into mythology and that the idea of Superman is more powerful than an actual physical Superman. So mm-hmm. the the superheroes made the choice to insert themselves in the 2D to save the 3D. And I think that's yeah. such a beautiful, like, awesome. I, I I love that he presents that as like a real world view that he thinks might have actually happened somewhere in, in yeah. some dimension. And I also just love that as a metaphor that like, we are the stories we are grown up on. And yeah. I think it's such a beautiful theme for artists to think about. Is it something like, are you conscious of that when you're making things like as far as, you know, what, what you're putting out there and what people are ingesting with your work? Um, yeah, actually probably more than I even, I'm even like fully aware of. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the times um, my ideas, I mean, you have a sketchbook, but then like if I write something that goes along with it or have like a little, um, saying that goes along with it those come from like journal entries and things that like really personal things that I am I'm feeling at that moment but then I realize like I'm feeling this thing but it's such a universal truth <laughs> like and the most universal truths are usually the simplest things and those are the things that usually resonate with people so yes of course as an artist I want to be seen I also don't want to be perceived at the same time. It's the fun catch 22 of being a creative. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually just, that's, I think that's much like the, uh, the paranormal where it wants to be looked at, but not understood, you know, it's like, check me out, but don't try and understand me. (laughs) That's why I say all the time that I'm a cryptid or I'm a goblin because I don't feel, I feel like I identify with that a lot, but yes, I don't, um, I do feel that way when I'm making art. I want to connect with people and, um, I want them to feel something, even if it's commiseration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the uh, best feeling to connect with sometimes. And I, think so. I, I, I love, uh, I can tell when people are a little bit more intentional with what they put out. And I think it, it comes across in the work and, and it's not in a way when I say that sometimes I think it sounds like, it, like I, it, what's the word um not in like a pretentious way in a fun way like the thing that like people get wrong about like meaningful artwork and connection a lot of the times is they forget the fun and one of the nice yeah. things about your work is that the and like i think that's true with the paranormal and like absurdity is such a huge thing with the weird and it's one of the things i love about it and it's one of those things that like it, it reminds you I feel like we're very lucky that we get to play in a sandbox of things that inspired us when we were young. Like I get to do this for a living and that blows my mind that like I get paid to come up with silly little critters to draw for coffee bags or like, you know, like, and I feel very lucky, but I feel like people can access that via different things. And like these stories are one of them and creativity is one of them. And there's so many different ways in, but uh, I don't even know where I got to that ramble from. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I was interested in with your work is I, so I love the way that you present these, uh, I guess, cryptids and these characters of the weird in a way that's very, um, the fear is removed. They're very mm-hmm. much just like friends hanging out. And like, I was wondering what your thoughts behind kind of presenting that side of the paranormal, because it's something that means a lot to me. It's what I like to lean into as well. Yeah. Um, it's hard to articulate, but it's, uh, I think like, I like to sort of identify with underdogs in my artwork a lot. And I feel like 
underdogs are often seen as like lesser than or um or like pests of nature and like a raccoon is just trash baby and like pigeons are dirty (laughs) and things like that like i want to i feel like it's a a, runs a parallel for me as like a self-identifying queer person even though i'm in a heteronormative relationship like i am queer and i didn't really know that when i was younger and i feel like to be able to present these like kind of weird inaccessible sometimes scary ideas to people in like a palatable way is really important because i'm i'm speaking something deeper at the same time i'm presenting just like a dumb mothman with an overbite (laughs) it means something else you know (laughs) no i that's beautiful and that makes so much sense because there's so that um the metaphor that you can draw with those uh kind of I want to call them anomalous characters. They're like faceless. They're genderless. They're, you can really kind of take yeah. them and use them to connect in so many different ways. And I mean, in general, I've, I've talked a lot about this idea of using paranormal things as a way of acceptance of the other in mm-hmm. things outside. And I've seen it in kids' media. Um, this is something that everyone's probably tired of hearing me talk about as well. But my kids like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and there's an yeah. episode where they go to a ghost town, like an Old West saloon, and yeah they get there and there's a bunch of ghosts and they're like oh no there's ghosts but then like within two minutes instead of running away or trying to like get the ghosts to leave or doing the ghost hunt or any of that stuff that would have happened in like ghostbusters or scooby like these things that we grew up on they decide that oh wait they just want to have a party like us and maybe we should have a big party and that we shouldn't be scared of the thing that's different we should just you know see maybe we have something in common and they have a big what you're doing there totally (laughs) and like and i i that made me think about like presenting and i was doing this kind of subconsciously already and i've talked to my buddy dustin williams about this too but presenting a version of this stuff to my kids with the fear element kind of removed, but mm-hmm. the curiosity element amped up. Like, well, like yes. I want them to have that curiosity and that like that wonder that that it can kind of imbue, but I don't want them to have that antagonistic interaction right away. Like, you know, if that no. if I can make it so my kid wakes up with a nightmare, he's not an initially like as scared as he would have been, or if he wakes up with, I mean, he's seen some weird stuff already. Uh, any weird interactions I've had has all been through my kids. So, yeah. and, but and he handles it good. But like, I, I, I'm interested in general, like, in a a different cultural interaction with the paranormal that's more positive. And I love yeah. seeing that kind of sprout up in things like your work. Thanks. I love yeah. yours for that same reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the other question I had in regards to that is, do you think, be, I don't, I, you're, uh, are you comfortable talking about your family? Yeah. Okay. So like, do you think being, becoming a parent had an effect on that? Like as far as your message through your artwork and thing, or like the way that you want people to interact with the artwork? Um, maybe not consciously. Um, I was still working a corporate job when I first had my son. Like I just went full-time art like two years ago. So like I wasn't even really creating a lot when he was younger. So um, I think a lot of my work now is sort of informed by having an older child. Yeah. So like I, he's kind of like my friend, but I don't want to be like, I'm the cool mom. It's not like that. (laughs) You just talk to him differently than you did then. And he just is so like, so sarcastic and so 
just like very blunt about things. And I think sometimes when I'm doing that, like I I want my work to be like cute, but yeah. still blunt. So like I don't I don't really think I'd think of it if, if in like a kid's way for that reason. No. Okay, this is super uh, interesting to me, actually, because most of the people I've talked to have young kids that are in the full-time art situation. What does he think about you becoming a full-time artist? Or, like, what did he think as far as that transition? <laughs> but I'm sorry, is this a weird question? Because no, it's not weird. I just, it's super um... interesting to me. Because my kids don't, like, it's, it's like a thing they've always known. Like, they know dad draws weird stuff, and that's how we, so, like, it's not, you know, like, it's interesting yeah. to me, that perception of but I yeah, mean, like, sorry. it's not like he lives in this, like, really dry, boring house and didn't know that I was an artist. Totally. When he was in kindergarten, I, like, hand-drew him a Gravity Falls journal from, like, screenshots that I found all over the internet. Amazing. So, and that was before they, of course, like, a year later, decided to release a book. And I was like, cool. Well, yeah, you have thanks. a homemade one. Whatever. But, yeah, um... So, like, he he already knew that I was an artist and everything, and I was never really super happy in my job. Even when I was doing, like, copywriting and stuff, it's different. Because um, yeah. I went to school for English literature. So, like, I always thought, like, Ooh. I should do something like that. So, like, I kind of got stuck in that um, in, like, a corporate setting because I don't have a teaching degree, blah, blah, So, like, I think really his feeling about me is he's just happy that I'm happy that I'm doing what I'm I want to do and I've always sort of instilled that in him too and he's like really unique in the things that he's interested in so I kind of I kind of think like he won't tell me because he's a teenager but I think he looks up to me yeah. <laughs> plus my husband works from home too so like he gets he gets us all the time yeah yeah <laughs> I'm always just interested because I grew up in such a household where like you know mom and dad went to work they didn't like and was raised you work where you don't yeah you're not supposed to like your job you do it you pay the bills and then you figure out how you like life after that and like that was always <laughs> something that didn't resonate with me and probably motivated me pretty hard in taking the path that I took you know and I I did the corporate thing for a while I designed uh trash bag catalogs for a while that wow, was the, that's exciting. yeah it was very oh, cool boy. it was like yeah thrilling thrilling but again you get by but yeah it, it's interesting to me the idea of showing showing uh, you know, and not that they don't see it themselves, but different paths forward as far as like, you know, leaning into creativity and having that be a way yeah. you can actually support yourself. And like, yeah, that's that's really special. But OK, so you went to school for English. Were you draw? Have you been a drawler your whole life? Like when did the uh, visual arts start? Has that been around uh, for, forever? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I've been drawing since I was in kindergarten. I started I used to think that I was like a fashion designer nice <laughs> so, like i, I was it. really weird elongated creatures but that i thought were people and i would like draw clothes <laughs> on them and stuff um and then i have my mom has a lot of really old weird drawings that i did that if i could if i could get a hold of everyone would understand <laughs> who i am um <laughs> but yeah i've always done it i was voted most artistic in high school i actually went to college for art graphic design originally and then um Somewhere along the lines, I got beat down to think that I had to do something more respectable. Mm -hmm. So I changed my major from art to English, and my English was originally my minor, so it became a major. So yeah, gotcha. um, and I did that. But I mean, I still I love to read and I love to write. So, 
but yeah, I always did. I always did art. But what do you think was the thing that like kind of, I guess, expressed to you that this wasn't going to be doable for you that made you go for that more respectable route? Like, was it internal, external, familial? Is there, is there something you button on? No, not familial, not external, really. Uh, Just internal doubts. Um, Yeah. Shame. Shame around money. Yeah. Growing up Dude, poor. that's a big and, one. That's yeah, a big like, one. and just feeling like if I don't, I was like one of the only, like none of my other, other siblings went and had, went to college. My parents didn't go to college. So like, I felt like almost like, well, here I am just gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do with it, you know? So mm-hmm. I felt like I had to get like, a, a do, do something real. But then I, mm-hmm. I went to be, I was like, yeah, I'll do teaching. And then I gave that up too, so. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought that I had to force myself into a box that I didn't fit in. Yeah, no. And so have these last two years been, have you noticed your creativity rising with the more that you lean into this side of things? Like, are you, are you at the point? Cause one of the things I love is seeing people kind of flourish when they really invest in like what they truly want. Like, I think mm-hmm. that like when you really like, identifying what you want as a person might be the hardest thing in the world in certain ways. And people Mm -hmm. kind of don't, I was saying that the other day that I don't, I forget sometimes until I like have a sick kid for a week. I'm like, Oh, this is wanting something like wanting that kid to feel better. It's like, Oh, this is how you have to want the things in your life to that you want to work. So like, have you felt more creative since the leaning into the side of your life? Oh yeah. 100% because I'm using my brain the way it it feels natural you know like i'm yeah uh i'm i just not say that i don't have anxiety i don't who the hell doesn't but like um (laughs) but uh yeah i do feel more creative and i can sit down and like use a lot of those organizational skills that i've built over the years um to kind of help focus myself on things i think that's one of the biggest things is when you get really creative and you feel like that that sort of rush coming it's really hard to sort of itemize yes. <laughs> where am i going to start because you don't want to lose certain ideas so it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> but yes i'm more creative <laughs> no it, ha- having i don't think there's really such a thing as wasted time like i think for people like you know you're 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 in situations in a lot of ways especially in regards to work situations and things like you can utilize, like you're just saying your organizational skills from working in those big corporate structures. And I still utilize things I learned from, you know, designing mop catalogs. Like I use InDesign all the time and I learned how to do that via this horrible job. But like there's, uh, there's something special about taking that leap in investing in yourself. And that's really exciting that, that you've done that recently. I also wanted to ask when you got interested in the weird and in the cryptids and the paranormal and all the stuff that is, uh, is represented in your work. Uh, since I was a kid, I, would count like unsolved mysteries uh sightings uh the x-files like this i mean the simpsons too it was weird um so weird i love the far side cartoons so yeah um it's always been there man my best friend and i in high school used to say that we were gonna we wanted to be cryptozoologists when we grew up and we're like i don't know how the hell that's gonna happen how does one do that like you see those tv shows 
and you're like, oh, that's a job. No, it's not. <laughs> No, I, I, I think the, the, the secret, to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you did it actually. I think yeah, you, right? you literally, you've become a cryptozoologist as far as, uh, that went into being. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. As far as my view on all of this, uh, artists, uh, doing what we do are as much of it as the people boots on the ground doing whatever they do out there in the woods and whatnot. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no. And in regards to that, did your interest in magic come up at the same time? Like at what point did you make this trend? Did you discover the magic side of things? Because that's always interesting to go from the the in search of and sightings and X-Files to the. All right. So where does the esoteric and the occult and all that fun stuff come into the picture? For well, you? I'm just going to be real with you. Yeah. Craft. Of course. I mean, like <laughs> that movie was the shit. It and was I was amazing. Like, I want to be Nancy, but but not as crazy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love so it. Like, yeah, perfect. I started then, and then in, with that same friend that we wanted to be cryptozoologists together, like we we did all that shit. Like we did spells all the time. But I remember we did one that we didn't want somebody to talk to us, and we did this big repelling spell and had all these black candles out. We don't know what the hell we were doing. But, like, we made this whole thing up, and then, like, nobody talked to us for weeks. <laughs> and we were like, shit, what do we do? They, so, uh, they're pretty powerful. Like, so I consider myself a pretty powerful witch ever since that moment. I'm like, man, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but it works. It. No, that's, uh, that's, you have a natural gift, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, like, the, the parallels of, I want to say the way people grow with the weird is really interesting to me and how that like, you know, that mm -hmm. timeline of being into like cryptids and UFOs seems to progress into the esoteric and the occult. And then sometimes it, it either stops, like I've noticed, like after high school, you know, right, right into college and stuff, like people either seem to take a break from it and do other stuff or go fool and just stick with Maybe it, and keep it <laughs> totally totally and it's always just interesting to be... <laughs> yeah and i'm guessing that's the, the the path you went down as far as uh, sticking with the weird and... yeah so what is some of your favorite weird stuff like as far as magic or any of this like what is some of your favorites uh, of stuff to think about these days well hmm, magic wise i don't follow anything in particular anymore. I just pretty much consider myself a hedge witch. Awesome. Um, but also like a woodland forest witch. <laughs> okay. hey. I feel a really deep connection with nature. Um, I do tarot regularly. Um, and I really don't do a lot of spells anymore. But I do have a coven, like a local Ooh. group of ladies. And we actually put on an art show every year and... That's we, like, so cool. get together and do little rituals and stuff, which is really nice. And we get to do that with the community. So we get to like shoe her shoehorn in some paganism into the rural communities a little bit there. <laughs> but That's yeah, like, that kind of stuff. That's so cool. I love that. That's the type of stuff, like those little community building things. And we, I think you touched on this earlier, but I think there's something special about the sharing and all of this and like the, the little, the communal aspect of it all. That's really important. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's amazing. Do you have like, you said you do yearly art shows. Do you have themes for the art show every year that you all come up with? Or is it just kind of like a collection of 
of what you what y'all are making that at the time the first year it was just coven like it was just the name and then we were like oh we kind of are one now (laughs) (laughs) so then like we every like every year after that we just like would come up with a specific theme but then we would allow the artists that like displayed to do sort of their take on that theme so it was still pretty loose so like we did grimoire so we wanted people to like say what magic meant to them and this year we did bestiary so like people did like cryptid work and stuff like that so just stuff like that it's fun that's super fun and we try to like schedule our rituals around the moon and stuff it's it's a really cool time that's awesome that sounds great I love it. Do you have anything that you're working on now that you're uh, super excited about? Like, what are you currently? Uh, I you put stuff up all the time, and I know you say like you seem like you're making things a lot. Do you have anything that you've been really excited about? Uh, yeah, I just got a really awesome commission. That's, that's a amazing. that I don't want to say what it is, but I can say what the nature of the project is. It's a book cover design. <gasps> Ooh. really excited about that that's super um and cool. the design's really cool but i can't say anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's but i like awesome. it it's cool that's so cool do you have like do you have dream jobs at this point now that you're doing this full time like is there things that you have on uh, on a list somewhere or things that you really are setting your sights on yeah i want to I didn't realize how much I w- wanted to do book covers, but I wanted, would love to do more of that. I would love to publish my own book at some point. Yeah. Which is not really what that looks like, if it's a story or what, but I also want to do a tarot deck. I did an affirmation deck a couple years ago. That's um, cool. That I printed myself. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I would like to do like a full tarot deck and like submit it for publishing somewhere. I think that'd be fun. That's awesome. That's a great idea. Those are definitely having those big goals as a creative, I think are super important to push things along, like even through commission work and doing all of the, the regulars, regular non-fun art stuff. And yeah, yeah, I've, I forgot about that sometimes. Like I, some, I get lost in like being, being lucky and grateful for doing this full time that sometimes I forget to set goals and be like, Oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. good to like, I, 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 I cast a sigil earlier this year to have a children's book published. And that's my, oh, yeah. that would be self- amazing. That would be so perfect for you. I've self published last year. I set a goal to self publish something once a month for a full year. And I did 12 or I did 11 issues of a zine that I called personal folklore. And then I did well, I have <laughs> oh that's right yeah. that's, I, thank you that's I, it's so nice like when other artists buy things it's the, always the best is that okay. a is, is that kitty no totally he knows how to open the door <laughs> that's awesome yeah i, I even... abuse his power yes i don't even know what my kitties are doing i'm in the garage right now so my kitties are probably eating. Let's see, what did I leave out? There was some hummus. There was uh, there was some weird stuff left on the table. So they're probably going to town. These are the first cats I have that eat human food. I'm not used mm. to that at all. But these huh. cats love human food, and it's kind of like I've like if there's chicken around, they will be oh, on the counter on the table. They just want it, and like they, my one cat has 
can't remember what it's called, but it's like the male urinary thing they have problems with. Like they can't get male cats can't get urinary tract infections, but they get this other weird thing, right? Yeah. So he has to eat this fancy ass wet food all the time. Mm -hmm. And now, like when there's regular meat around, they're like, oh, that's my wet food because it looks <laughs> And I'm like, guys, just chill. I've never spent this much on animals ever. And you guys are living the high life because he's got. The one with the urinate problem has a brother that also gets to eat the fancy food because, you know, he's just he going to get that fancy food. But, oh, um, get in there. Totally, totally. All right. But yeah, what was that? I know. You're talking about your children's book. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so I that's my goal. Like I I published one called Sun and Mouse that I want to shop around and it's one of those things that when you look at how to actually do that, it's like, oh, this is a whole thing and then you just like, okay, I'm going to go back to just making things and going yeah, from there, right? but but <laughs> but having those goals is super important. Do you have like as far as when you're making stuff, do you have any kind of regulations on what you're consuming? Like, do you think about like what you're taking in as an artist? As, and, you know, I like we were talking about earlier, as far as stories, building people and whatnot, I think about that more now with kids, but like also in the fact that I'm putting out more artwork than ever and how, mm -hmm. you know, certain things can get in and influence subconsciously without really noticing them. Have you ever, mm -hmm. have you thought about imaginal cleansing and things like that before? Um, yes, but I don't do it. <laughs> I love that answer. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm too, I don't, no, I don't do it. No. Um, no, but I, I, I mean, I like, I listen to certain podcasts and like music and stuff. I guess that's sort of influential, but like, oh, yeah. as far as like in the day to day, it's just same old shit, you know, <laughs> the news, the old news. reruns of x-files <laughs> kind of stuff <laughs> that's awesome and you're working mainly in uh digital medium right now right yeah. like do you use uh, do you use uh as far as your concept stage and like coming up with the ideas are you going straight to the ipad or are you doing sketchbook work still or i know you mentioned that a lot of the writing and stuff comes from journal entries mm -hmm. and things like that but are you all completely on the ipad or or tablet or yeah. whatever you're using it now no it's a mix of both uh it just depends on my mood i go through like really intense need to like touch paper mood mm -hmm. so i do i mean i do a lot of sketching in that sort of manic period but <laughs> sometimes i just pick it up pick up the ipad and do it there too so it just depends yeah absolutely that's it's super interesting to me i still have trouble with the like sketching on the ipad and the idea like I'm getting, I've been trying to force myself to do it because I've had so much trouble with it. So I've been trying to start ah. more things directly on the iPad because I don't mm -hmm. like having things like that where I'm like, I feel like it's a crutch, but I do feel like there's something to like coming up with composition and initial idea that I still just feel more comfortable doing with pencil and paper. And yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm always interested in hearing what other people's, because I know so many artists that I love so much that can just go straight to the tablet and have no problem with that at all. And like, it's always something I'm kind of jealous of. And like, I wish I could do that more because it's, I, I resisted the tablet and the digital media for a long time until having kids. And then once I had kids and I was like, okay, I can't keep up with the workload 
and sit here, ink everything, scan it, vector it. And then I was like, I can, I have to give in. And then yeah. I was like, wait, I need to stop being stupid about all kinds of stuff. And this is one where I'm like, am I being, am I being silly about this? The like coming up with the ideas via the sketchbook, or is there actually something there? Cause I do to get a little weird with it. I do think that like, I like to apply the ideas that people talk about in the paranormal world to creativity a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And people talk about liminal spaces being special spaces in esoteric magic. I think sure. creativity is right in there. Like liminal spaces are where creative things come from, whether it's mm-hmm. showers, dreams, like these places, people come mm-hmm. up with these ideas. And I think there's something to the idea that when you're working on a tablet, there's no space for liminality. There's no cracks for the stuff to bleed mm-hmm. through because it's all zeros and ones. There's no 0.1. There's no 0.5. It's all being transitioned in this very, you know, uh, what's the word for that language? <laughs> zeros and ones, whatever. Uh, binary. Now sound binary. <laughs> Man, I don't know what my, it's been a long day, but it's all very binary and right. creativity is the opposite of that. When you're working with a pencil mm-hmm. or physical media, then so there's all sometimes. this room for mistakes and smudge and, and those type of things. So again, I, these are things that I think about where I'm like, yeah, I'm probably just justifying something that's not actually true, <laughs> but I love, I love thought experiments and I love just the idea and it, you can apply it to things like John Tenney's talked about as far as like the difference between capturing an e, uh, EVP versus digital versus tape. Like there's something right. completely different because there's a chemical, like physical reaction going on with the tape. There's just sure. zeros and ones. And I think there could be like, and again, I use the iPad for 90% of what I do and I've yeah. been trying to break, but I love the idea that there is something there. And like, I haven't met anybody that's completely out of the physical world. Like everybody that I talk to is like, I use it, but I have to go back to, and some people have actually been like, it's literally just going to the art store and buying the supplies that does it for me now. Like I don't ever, (laughs) I don't use the supplies. Like Mm -hmm. maybe like half of them get used that I buy, but just that like ritual of going to buy the stuff. And I, I love those like, rituals of creativity do you have any favorite rituals of creativity is there anything that you you really uh i I love going to art stores too craft stores love it love it love it love going to the library i find a lot of inspiration at the library because i still love books still a book nerd yeah Um, and um yeah i don't know rituals others i'm really that's about it. That's pretty good. I like that. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's others, but I honestly am just drawing a complete blank. So <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I love it. No, that's that's perfect. <laughs> that's absolutely perfect. Do you have, like, as far as uh, a workspace, do you have somewhere that you work in particular all the time? Or are you kind of like, since you're on the tablet, like, I know I work in my kitchen as much as I work in my studio these days. And that's something that's really weird to me. Sometimes I'll look at a drawing and I'll be like literally five hours of this drawing was done. Me bending over like between cooking stuff and like, (laughs) you know, like just, just picking at things slowly between doing life stuff. Do you find yourself doing more of that? Or are you an at the drawing table have to be there type? Uh, I mostly draw on the couch. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I have, I have like a space, but it's just 
I'm in my bedroom right now, but it's in my bedroom. It's just like a desk in the corner and like all my inventory is around me. So like, it's nothing fancy, but um, yeah, I much prefer to draw on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I always love the idea that David Lynch talks about where you have to have a, your workshop at ready at all times. Like well, an artist needs amazing to, too. <laughs> oh, dude. Another level. I mean, that guy woodworking, I, woodworking blows my mind. Anyone that can do it effectively like him. I mean, his paintings are amazing. That dude is one of the most inspirational he people. He's one of my favorite I, people. And like I've said a million times now, like he could create nothing and just be him and still be one of the most amazing people. Yeah. Like he's one of those people where the stories around his work and the the essence of David Lynch is more important than like any one movie or thing yeah. he's ever made. And that's like a literal walking it. thought form. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. There's a, there's something so powerful. so powerful. Yeah. And so there's a thing he talks about as far as like having to be able to drop everything and go to your workshop and create at a moment's notice. You always have to be able to do that. And yeah, I've thought about that. all. Exactly. It's you never know when that when yeah, man. That, I need to reread that book. It's so good. You never know when that big fish is gonna arrive, and it's really, it's really funny because I didn't know until recently. I we started this pod this podcast, and I told you how I talked to Mitch Horowitz, and he actually is the co-author of that book with David Lynch, which I oh, didn't notice. Oh, that's right. That's where I've seen that name before. Okay. Totally. That's amazing. What was I saying? How did David? Lynch, oh, workshop. Yeah. How cool it is that like when he's talking about that he's talking about it being like a painting workshop or somewhere you have to drop every but we can carry our workshop around with us now like our workshop yeah. is everywhere and like right. that's really interesting and like something that like i i think has a profound effect on the creativity and the artwork itself oh yeah for sure because it's just like it's portable it's amazing i mean totally. i've done i've done some like plain air stuff recently like i have a friend that puts together a thing like um, in Wheeling, West Virginia that we do like in the fall and like I don't do plain air painting I don't paint like landscapes or anything mm -hmm. you know so like that was always weird for me because I can't take my tablet and do it because I have to be <laughs> able to like put up the pieces afterwards so it's like oh, that was like, a weird experience like because I thought man the tablet's the only thing that's portable but like I had to like yeah. figure out a way to like carry all this crap with me everywhere I was like oh god these people their paintings like just get a tablet good god I, I was scrolling through instagram earlier and someone an artist's account popped up and he's like this is how i wash my acrylic paint brushes and he's like catching it in this filter taking oh. the water and using this chemical to separate the acrylic solids from the water and that good way he can dump the the water down the drain without getting the acrylics back into the water system and i'm like oh. yeah just get a tablet at that point like at that point like you need to just get a tablet like because like, even then like, he ends the video being like because he, he he has these like coffee filters he collects it all he's like i still have to throw these filters away that's a bummer i'm like yeah like either get a tablet or don't like you just, this is just silly like there's, there's something yeah. silly about all of this but um but yeah so, yourself, man. <laughs> yeah exactly but there's uh there I, yeah, that's so true. So, 
I, what got you into Lynch? Like, where did you, oh, was, that's something that like, I had definitely consumed I mean, Twin Peaks was my, the Simpsons were the first thing to tell me about David Lynch via sure. their jokes about Twin Peaks. And then right. like from those, I was like, oh, this is a thing. But like, there was this gap between like ingesting the first two seasons of Twin Peaks and then just like, not like pretty much until I had YouTube and found like him talking and things. I was like, mm. oh, this dude fucking genius mm -hmm. and like went to, like his uh the transcendental meditation mm -hmm. um documentary on youtube that he has mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things to watch all the time mm -hmm. um but yeah where where did you connect with his work uh lost highway oh yeah came out when i was in high school um first time i well before i even saw the movie i had the soundtrack because mm -hmm. it is amazing <laughs> and um I love the Smashing Pumpkins and like David Bowie and Nine Inch Nails. So like, I was like, okay, totally. if, if they're on a soundtrack for a movie, then it's, it's going to be badass. Absolutely. So, so I, uh, I got it with my friends and like this guy that she was like dating and, um, they were like talking the whole time and I was just staring at the TV. Like what is happening? I've never been so confused by a movie in my life, but I like yes. could not look away from it. I did, and I was like laughing about it and making fun of it, but it just like, it just like really grabbed me in such a weird way. And I was like, man, this guy has so much courage to make a movie like this. So then I just like became obsessed with like finding stuff he did, but I didn't even watch Twin Peaks until I was like, out of college which is so weird because yeah. i watched blue velvet like over and over and over in college like a freaking weirdo Wild. I, was I don't know i could don't ask <laughs> that was like, a one and that was a one and done for me like i love that movie I but i don't think movie. i love that movie cool. so much and like oh me too like and i i definitely have watched it way more than once but it was one of those ones <laughs> that like there's certain th there's certain things in there that like i like i it was funny i was listening to a, an, a conversation with him recently and the director of photography for that had to quit halfway through because of the scenes with Dennis Hopper. And he was like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't, so it's, 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 it's making me dark. Like it's darkening my soul. I have, and like he, they, it's, I, I completely can see that. And David Lynch, and it's so funny. Cause when he's talking about these movies, he's talking in this beautiful flowery, like these are, right. these, these are these ideas. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. He's like, these are these ideas I fall in love with. I pictured this, you know, beautiful town, suburban town with a toe found. And I'm like, dude, yes. yeah. I, I, like, when, if you listen to him talk and then watch his movies, it's just such a disconnect in the best ways ever sometimes. That, and I just love that it. That is my favorite shit in the entire universe. And maybe it is David Lynch's fault. I don't know. But I just am so obsessed with things that are so beautiful on the veneer and mm -hmm. just wormy and gross and gnarly yes. underneath because yeah. that's life man people put totally. out a front but everything underneath is so much weirder and more gnarly than they want to admit and i just totally. love shit like that i love music that's like happy and peppy and has like fucked up lyrics and like <laughs> i like art you. that says subversive shit but it's cute like it's yes. all that yes. dichotomy i absolutely love so one of the things that i love about that because i'm with you that's the 100 percent. and there's there's two things that i think about a lot with those is one is it it highlights how dichotomy is being human and it's kind of at the yes. core of us and like i i love this author douglas rushkoff that douglas rushkoff 
And he has the saying that he, the magic of humans is in our squishiness. It's in that mm. we are walking like fleshy dichotomies. And that's where that's where our specialness is. And there's something that resonates really true with me that. But one of the things I love about people like Lynch and what you're saying with that veneer, and then you go down, you get that dark underbelly. What's beautiful about things that what Lynch does, and it's not always represented in his movies or his work, but it's almost represented in the way he talks about his work is if you dig past that gross worminess underneath, it becomes beautiful again. Like it's like beauty, gross beauty. And you have to go through the gross to get to that like real beauty. Like the surface beauty isn't the the real thing. The surface beauty is the, the, the cars, Mm -hmm. the pretty girls, the pretty, you know, like that's all like, that's what he puts up on the surface. Right. But then you dig deeper and you dig even deeper. It gets beautiful because of the darkness. It doesn't get beautiful. I think that's totally a metaphor for transcendental meditation as well, because it's like, in that sense, you're ascending, but in this sense, you're descending, but it's still like a full circle sort of situation. So I think it's all very meaningful in that way. No, absolutely. The way that he talks about transcendental meditation is something I've tried to replicate so many times and fucked up because he, he <laughs> like that, especially in that documentary, the way he's sitting there with that whiteboard, he's explaining about how quantum physics gets to the same point that transcendental meditation does because it all gets to the oneness. And like, yeah. and I'm just like, man, I don't sound nearly as <laughs> as well educated or, but I love that idea that like, we don't need the weird we reality at its base at its core is as weird as we need like nothing else needs to be added like and i love that idea that we are just weird at the core yeah exactly exactly no totally is is meditation or anything something that you've ever messed with oh yeah i do i meditate not as regularly as i would like um i prefer a guided meditation it's really super hard for me to just sit and relax with nothing oh yeah Um, it's nearly impossible for me really hard and that's anxiety of course i uh you know it i (laughs) i gave up on like it took me a while to find people who talk about meditation in the ways that like it's not just about sitting still and being quiet with yourself like that's a big part of it and that's but there's other ways to meditate and sometimes it's about the kind of combination of it all and like i I consider what I do every day with my drawing and the podcast and everything, my meditation at this point. And that does involve some quiet time and some like, yeah, uh, I, I do very, very simple, like the, the four, seven, eight breath work, because you can just do it anytime where you breathe Mm -hmm. in for four, hold it for seven, let it out for eight. And that's like the most I can really get as far as, but like the idea of something like transcendental meditation is so appealing to me. And the idea that you can do something for 20 minutes and have that. And it's, uh, I'm sure at some point it's something that like, you know, I, I should probably try and go back to sitting with a whole bunch more, but it is so hard. And like, it is something that like, yeah, it's one one of those things that I I think I talk myself around a lot and <laughs> telling yeah. myself like I don't need to do that. But I yeah, think like you said too though, it kind of shows itself in different forms too though. So I mean, I don't think it's fair to push yourself. If if like you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Just do it in a different way, you know? And I think yes. that applies to everything. So like I might not want to sit down on my bed and meditate today but like i might want to just go for a walk or go for a hike or go for a run so yeah give yourself that grace you know 
That's what I've always loved about people like Ramdas and people that are a little bit Ram more Dass on the. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's how I got back into all of this stuff. I've told this story a whole bunch, but that is a hundred. Like when I was going to have kids, I started thinking about spirituality and things like that. I went down Terrence McKenna rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Ended up at Ramdas. Lived there for a long time. Oh yeah. Essentially went from Ramdas back to like John Keel and Jacques Vallee and mm-hmm. Dr. Jeffrey Kreipel and all these weirdo writers and <laughs> yeah. like realized they're all they're all saying the same thing essentially but yeah. i definitely resonated more with exactly the people that teach you what you're saying where it's about finding your own i guess practice for lack of a better word but then i listened to someone like david lynch talk about transcendental meditation and i'm like fuck am i doing something because he's like <laughs> the whole the whole thing he's like if you do this you will transcend with the first Man. sitting and i'm like that's, is that that's true just, that's just david like, lynch Orca. That's all that is. He's pulling the <laughs> right in. I know he's he gets me. Hair, he's got that voice. He, I am uh, yes, yes. Doing it. I, I'm an easy mark. I'll say. I definitely. Uh, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not much of a skeptic or any of those things. Like I. I. I, I kind of threw all of that out a long time ago as far. I mean, you know, I, I love that these, especially when you're talking about cryptids and stuff like that. It makes people grapple with that idea of things from the spirit world or the other world becoming material and i kind of love that idea and like there's there's a lot of people who've talked about it in much smarter ways than i can and like like john mack has a really awesome quote where he talks about the the whole point of this is to break the western the current western mindset and that the only way to do that is for something from the spiritual to become physical and you can see it in religious uh, encounters you can see it in psychedelic encounters you can see it in even encounters with the imagine the imaginal things like what grant morrison did with the invisibles or things like uh alan alan moore meeting constantine mm-hmm. and these mm-hmm. real life encounters with fictional mm-hmm. real life encounters with fictional characters and i think there's something to that you know i really do right. think there's something something special there but it's uh it's hard to put your finger on for sure <laughs> well and i think it's discouraged a lot because people don't want to encourage that kind of creative thought and that critical thought because then they don't have as they can't easily control you then that's true (laughs) that's sad but true it gets beat out of us really easily (laughs) no no it's very true that like the idea i can't remember who i was talking do you do you read department of truth or any uh yes yes i have one behind me right now dude it's so good and there's this they so he has this um tenian has this uh subscription where you can sign up and he sends you letters called wild fictions, which are like Ooh. breakdowns on all like black eyed kids, uh, all of these things that were staples in the paranormal now. And he has this idea in one of them where essentially the government is coming after the really hippy dippy types because they're the actual ones that are right. The ones that are like, <laughs> no, we are all connected as one great consciousness. And it's like this whole parallel with the uh, war on drugs and psychedelics mm-hmm. and consciousness and things like that. And it's so smart and so right because it's probably the truth. Like it probably is like, like aliens or ghosts or what. I think these are all just things that are trying to make us remember that we're connected and like the world is yeah. magic. And like, that yeah. is probably the thing, the reason that, you know, there's, if there is a conspiracy, that's probably what is trying to be tamped down in yeah, certain it's, ways. It's <laughs> really cheesy. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Which is my favorite. Like, I, I love that. That makes me happy. That's awesome. <laughs> Man, Absolutely. Department of Truth is such a killer ass comic. Oh, Dude, it's so good. So good. It's one of those things where I talk to people too much, and I'm like, "You haven't read it yet. You really need to read this. You should just just read it. Just do it because <laughs> I know I have, how much you're gonna love it." <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend that recommended it to me, and he and another friend of mine uh, are in this club that we call the Hellier Finer Things, like finer things on it. the office. But it's like if at first we were just discussing all seasons of Hellier. <laughs> but then we used it as an excuse like once we got through that we just talk about all the weirdest conspiracies and aliens and stuff and like we all have different views on it like i'm the skeptical one my friend matt is like he's the one that told me about department of truth and he's just like everything is real i constantly have to rein him in and then katie's always just over there like smiling <laughs> but like he suggested that book and i was like all right i'm gonna dig in and man i just got like I'll get yeah, so into it. It's so good. It sucks you in. Yeah, no, the it's perfect. It really is. It's one of my favorite works of current paranormal uh fiction, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I think he's I'm real excited. He's got a new one coming out with the blue book with uh, with uh Michael Avon yeah. who's one of my favorite artists. So I'm real stoked to see I'm stoked about he... that too. I heard that uh interview that he did on last podcast and it sounds oh, really yeah. Exciting absolutely that was a really good interview i want to talk to that dude comics seem to have this magic power like there's so much like esoteric shit associated with them and not oh, yeah. just from like the morrison and alan moore but you can go back to like barry windsor smith who was the original illustrator for conan and he has mm -hmm. all these weird very weird time slips and these weird like essentially he was given these like conscious consciousness revealing uh psychedelic messages via just working these insane deadlines in comics and i love oh, the wow. idea like comics are so demanding in a creative yeah. way like they're just grueling you know and yeah. i think there's something when somebody is putting that much imaginal force into the world like it can go somewhere. It can make these things happen. And I, I think uh, I, I love the idea that Grant Morrison talks about where comics, they, they call your imagination to interact more than most mediums because you're filling in these gaps in between the panels and we're not giving you the whole story. And it's like you become a time traveler just for a mm -hmm. minute to jump this panel. And it might jump really cool. one minute. It might jump 30 seconds. It might jump 10 years. You never know. But yeah. your imagination's interacting with time in a very different way. So comics have this way to captivate in a, a whole different mechanism than most media. And I love that. Yeah, that's actually, I've never really thought about it that way, but that's really cool. And that also, like, sort of is more of a middle finger to people that say that they're really lowbrow and, like, only yeah. ding-dongs read comic books. Like, come on. Totally. Get with and, it. Like, there's, and it's, like, so beyond superhero stuff now. Like, indie comics oh, yeah. are absolutely amazing. So, like, get out of here. Grant Morrison wrote a, uh, I guess you could call it a sci-fi hyper-sigil that featured a trans gendered uh superhero in 1994 in which he which was sharing yeah and he was sharing in the back of that comic that was coming out on a monthly basis that was selling as much as superman or batman or anything else in the back of every comic he told you how to perform a chaos magic sigil in the way that he was performing it via the invisibles that like changed his life so he was sharing That's these so esoteric cool. ideas with these like 
Wednesday Warrior fanboys that were buying this magazine because he was on he yes. had done Arkham Asylum and all these big so like he's introducing this weird way of thinking to this whole other generation. Yes. And the other thing that's weird to think about is without things like they did and Alan Moore did with Watchmen are the direct lineage to what we have with like the mcu and the takeover like none of that would have happened without these weirdos that came into this uh garbage culture for lack of a better word like they like they and like alan moore has specifically said he came into it because it was garbage culture like he wanted to be in comics because no one cared about it and that's what like that was free reign to be as weird as possible I mean, Stephen King said the same thing about being published in like horror rags and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, this is yeah. where my people are. I'm talking to my people, and like, Absolutely. there's a lot of us out there. Yes. <laughs> so get yeah. in where you can, man. And the the people who are thoughtful with the way that their work is interacted with in the world are the ones that seem to really hang around. Like, I really love that idea because, excuse me. Now it's so easy to just kind of thoughtlessly put things out to a large audience and you don't have oh, to yeah. think about it. It's really special to me to see people do these things more intentionally, even when it's becoming harder to do them intentionally, if that makes sense. Yes, right. Harder yeah. to be seen, harder to do them. And yeah. by screaming into the void, Dude, is screaming yeah. into the void a good thing? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just yeah. doing it. I don't know how to how to not do it at this point. So right? just, I just uh, <laughs> and I it, especially in so like I don't have like a huge following. I have enough, and it it's one of those weird things where like it's, I only fuck with Instagram, and my numbers started going up directly in correlation when all of my favorite artists started getting really bogged down and started like their posts started getting seen like you know and all so all of my favorite artists are just posting about how it's like pointless to post on instagram and stuff yeah. but my stuff was getting more likes than ever and like more views than ever and my fi- so i'm like I wonder if there's a changing of the guard. Like, I wonder if this like thing, if this algorithm or this this thing that has uh, ruled ruled what we consume, just says, okay, at a certain point, these people are done being seen, and now we're gonna swipe in these new people, and then just swipe it. So, like, you know, it's just interesting yeah. to me how I don't even know why that came up in my brain, but it's this weird thing of like, as that grew. I started thinking about how I wanted to make like a physical zine again. And I like, I had more people looking at my digital artwork than ever, but Mm -hmm. that just made me want to start wasting money on printing physical zines again and trying. And like, they did not like, you know, like it's just one of these things that as I, it's like, it pulled me back for some reason. I don't know. I don't even know why I got on that rant there. I don't know, but because it somehow seems like, relevant to me right now because i'm kind of experiencing that like like massive growth situation where i don't really know what to do with that um but i also feel the same way i'm like well i applied for like a cartoon thing in columbus like later in the year and then i'm like oh i need to print a bunch of books and now i'm just like i'm gonna print books yeah so I feel totally. like maybe it is like maybe it is the hero's arc man i don't know yep. no absolutely <laughs> and it's so it- dude i love that okay like i'm gonna just print books now what what no it's so 
you know, sometimes I think my brain's broken, but then I have a a confirmatory conversation well, like this, and I'm like, okay, good. It's not just me. I'm glad someone we else is... have broken brains. <laughs> Which I hey, oh, well. I've always felt better knowing there's one other person in the same situation oh, yeah. <laughs> as me out there, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> now I think this is a great place to kind of wrap up this conversation. Okay. Uh, I I've been having a blast talking to you, but. Honestly, I feel like that that was a really nice circle and my brain is fading as the hours are going longer here. <laughs> so <fair>, man. <laughs> I don't want to get to a point where I'm just rambling and not knowing what I'm saying. And I got it. I, I would love to have you back on though at some point as you're yeah. exploring these books. But to tie this all up, can you tell people what you're working on, where to find you, how how best to support your work? It's amazing. I'm going to go on a big rant before this podcast about how awesome all of your work is. I didn't get to – I have to stop myself at all times with this podcast of just gushing over the guests. So, so <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan. But please tell people how to su- support your beautiful work. Well. Thank you. Um, I am Shapeless Flame on Instagram and Twitter, but I don't post much on there. Um, and Facebook and all that other horseshit. <laughs> and um, I have artwork for sale at shapelessflame.com. I will be at the Loveland Frogman Festival. I don't know when this is going to come out, but. Oh, yeah. It'll, either... be before, it'll be before that. Okay. That on March 4th. I'm stoked about that. Um, but yeah, Instagram is the best way to hold me. Come say hi. That's awesome. Are you doing more? How how much have you done in not to get into a whole other conversation, but how much have you done in the circuit as far as like the cryptid shows and stuff like that? Is this a new thing for you or have you done uh, a lot crypt, of these? Cryptid Con last November was my first like official, I guess, one with like a lot of the other folks that run in that circle. Um, oh, I cool. do. I knew Liz Pavlovic mm-hmm. um, previously. She's about the only other like cryptid type artists that I like knew before I started doing those but yeah um that was the first one and I have a lot lined up for this year so I'm excited that's exciting well yeah. I yeah it's one of those things that I keep telling myself I need to do and you, get out there and have yet to sign up and do <laughs> but you know maybe maybe soon we'll see the two okay. two young kids make it hard it's one yeah. of those things where like I think about going away for a weekend or like yeah. five days and I'm like oh man that'd be a lot of work on the mama and I'd feel bad yeah, <laughs> but, I get that. but as they get older it's easier for sure for like sure. Taking, taking family trips that's the, that's gonna be the plan <laughs> sounds good I like that idea Absolutely. <laughs> cool well Natalie, thank you again for doing this. I'm going to link everything below. And yeah, we'll talk again soon. All right, dude. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. You too.